Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want you to know that I Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Garage 5. Hello, hello. And U Street. Hey, y'all. Well, uh, basketball is ongoing, uh, and we will actually talk basketball this week because Street is here. Uh, just in time for us to go from 7-0 and to 7-1, and probably. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to start off with the bowl game. Uh, the Gophers are headed to the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, to play West Virginia. Generally not the bowl that anyone was super excited about. I don't blame people for not being excited. Uh, as you might have noticed earlier this week when I wrote my blog post explaining why the Gophers ended up there and why it's really not that big of a deal or a slight or anything, I don't have a lot of time for people like overreacting or getting really pissed. But if you were disappointed because you were hoping for a different bowl, I, I completely get that. I guess I'm going to just kind of push uh, over to uh, Andy or, or Street. Do either of you actually care which bowl game um, the Gophers go to if it's not a New Year's Day or better? Spoken like a true daily dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> for those for those not regularly investigating the comment section at thedailygopher.com, which you definitely should do, it's always great to be part of a fantastic community on the internet. Uh, a new-ish commentator referred to referred to Chris as uh, the Daily Dickhead, and I have found that hilarious ever since then. To your question, Chris, I could not care less about any bowl game that is not the playoffs or the Rose Bowl. Andy, how about you? Yeah, that was a predictable take by you. Um <laughs> I, I do care in certain circumstances. Um, I mean, I would I would prefer a New Year's Day bowl, whether it be Outback or Citrus, over one of the you know remaining three or remaining four. Um, I also do appreciate the way the Big Ten tries to spice up the variety and move things around. Um, you know, I, I'd much rather play in three or four different bowl games over five years than get sent to the Music City three times in four years. Um, but, I mean, in, in this year's case, you know, you could sort of see the way things were going to be breaking out. I mean, uh, basically, Penn State got rewarded for being shitty enough that they didn't make a New Year's Six Bowl and it being the first time they've been shitty enough in a while to, yeah, to end they got up reward, in Florida. They got re- they got rewarded for being Penn State, I mean, basically. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it. you know, I, I understand where people are coming from, and I understand how it's frustrating, and everybody has their own theory about why Minnesota got, you know, in theory, screwed this year. But, um, you know, as as your article pointed out, that the system has worked for us in, in more times than once. And, and you know, 
would have been kind of cool. I'm I'm not going to any bowl game, so it doesn't really matter. You know, I I understand for the for the Gopher fans who might want to travel, and and I understand why people are complaining about Phoenix right now is because flights are insane from Minneapolis to Phoenix that weekend, uh, mainly just because it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, and who doesn't want to go to the desert? Um, you know, so in in some ways, whether it'd been Vegas, there probably were a lot more cheap flight options, or or Nashville. I mean, the the drive is at least a possibility in Nashville. It still would have been a bit of a stretch, but so I get I get that way people are complaining about that. But yeah, when you realize that you know, but the difference between the the bowl we're playing in and the Vegas bowl is one day and fifteen minutes. Otherwise, it's on the exact same time of night on the same channel. Okay, who cares? Um, you know, I understand if you maybe wanted a two o'clock in the afternoon game, you what's why you wanted Music City. But no, when it all comes down to it, I I don't think it's it's really that big of a deal. Um, you know, it's sort of one of those things that either you're in one of the top four or five bowls or bust, and does it really matter in the bust which bowl you're really in? I I don't think it really does. So, um, I will watch it happily. I I think you know we can talk about this later going forward when we're actually talking about the game. I think things set up really well for Minnesota to to get a fairly easy bowl win, assuming they play like they want to against West Virginia, which will be nice just for momentum purposes. Um, but uh, And cap continue to cap the year on a high well, note. Exactly. You know, cap the, exa- well, that's all it is, cap the year on a high note and things like that. So, um, But, yes, in, in the long scheme of things, I mean, it would have been cool to see – Vegas's new stadium on TV again I wasn't really probably going either way so it doesn't really matter whether I'm seeing the palace in Vegas or whether I'm seeing them play in a baseball stadium turned into football in Phoenix uh, on TV it's going to look pretty much the same either way so um, all that too long didn't read didn't listen no it probably doesn't matter if you're not playing on New Year's Day or a playoff game well, and for anybody who wanted to go to Vegas, that uh, those tickets weren't cheap either. New Year's in Vegas is a fucking thing. And uh, yeah, no, I checked. I didn't think they were falling as far as the guaranteed rate bowl. And I was pretty sure that if I was going to go to a bowl game, it was Nashville or bust because that's within four hours of me. Uh, but I checked Vegas just to, you know, scout the flights. Ooh, no, 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 no. Not inexpensive. <laughs> Not at all. Of course, then again, I didn't check the really cheap, cheap airlines because I'm a giant and the cheap, cheap airlines don't have legroom for me. But, um, yeah, it didn't look too cheap to me. All right, well, in the bowl game, we should expect to see Kirk Shiraka, a Kirk, sorry, excuse me, a Kirk shiraka led offense now that he has officially been uh, named the returning uh, second time in his career Gophers offensive coordinator. Uh, we don't have all the details, or do we have all the details for how the staff is shaking out? Like, is Matt still co-offensive coordinator, Matt Simon? Like, do we have those details yet? Or do I have the impression that, that Matt Simon is actually leading the offense in the bowl game. He, he is leading the offense in the bowl game. I don't know if we have the official coach titles, whether Simon will still retain co-OC in name. I would imagine yes. Uh, just because it's kind of hard to take away a title once you give a title, unless you, you know, basically fire a guy. Um, so I would assume Simon still has some form of co-OC um, 
in his thing. But I mean, we did see the, apparently the contracts out Chirac is getting. I think it was six seventy five a year and for two years, uh, which they're two years are the standard assistant length of contract, so that makes sense. And six seventy five, I believe it's uh, I was reading is about exactly what what Sanford was making. In fact, Shiraka was was looking at getting a raise had he had he not left for Penn State. He was looking at getting a raise to I think closer to to 900,000 when he was here the first time. So frankly, we're kind of getting him at a budget rate, um, which imagine, I suppose you can do after you get fired from your next stop after five games or whatever. <laughs> um, but no, I, 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 you know, Matt Simon, we did, we did get the official announcement. Uh, you know, PJ Fleck and Neil Brown talked, uh, Neil Brown, the coach of West Virginia, and they agreed that it wouldn't really be fair to let Shiraka coach, considering he has a intricate knowledge of, of West Virginia's staff, considering he mm. was a consultant for them this year. Uh, but That's a good point. he's still going to provide coaching in the game plan. He's still going to provide tons of game plan. So, I mean, he's basically going to tell Matt Simon, this is what West Virginia does in this situation. This is what they do there. So it's going to be up to West Virginia to sort of confuse and try and, and do things differently than what they did all season long. So Minnesota will still have a significant advantage there. Um, it just won't be Kirk actually calling the plays. It'll be Simon. So, uh, But then, yeah, Kirk will take back over, and he'll be the main play caller, one would assume, uh, starting in the in the 2022 season. So um, the one interesting thing that that it is, if you remember when PJ Flex signed his extension, uh, it, part of that extension was an extra three hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars to the assistant pool, uh, to whether that be giving raises to guys that are there now, or if they need to go out and hire somebody, getting being able to to spend a little bit more money on that, um, and and like we said, Taraka is basically canceling out about what. Um, Sanford was making last year, so that three hundred fifty thousand is still available for whether they need to give, say, Kenny Burns a raise, who was uh, talked about as a potential coaching candidate as, at the Temple uh, job opened up, um, or whether they have to give Joe Rossi a raise or Joe Harrisimiak a raise because other schools are sniffing around. Um, you know, obviously with with signing day the fifteenth, I don't think you're going to see any major coaching changes between now and then. But uh, that period after the holidays in January is when you sort of see a lot of uh, potential changes going on and people leaving right after that initial signing day to take other jobs and things like that, which is always sort of awkward. You know, you've got a guy recruiting a guy, you get him signed, and then forty eight hours later he's like, "Peace out, I'm out of here, bye." Um, but so I think we'll hear more news on that. I would expect after the bowl game, if anything else is going to change, <coughs> Rob Winger uh, getting a different job, please. Um, but <laughs> you know, for for now on, the the staff, uh, with the exception of Sanford out and and Chirakian is is pretty much how we how we left it after the Wisconsin game. I think my question for you, Street, is you know we get Kirk Shiraka, we have a rough idea of what we're probably going to see from him offensively. Generally, his offensive game plans make us happy. I think the one thing that many Gopher fans, and I'm prone to this myself, I'm not going to exclude myself from this, have a tendency for, to forget from the 2019 season is that there was plenty of uh, less than creative play calling at times, and I think that is. You know, I, I for me that feels representative of a of a PJ Fleck uh, need for having the offense go vanilla more often than we might like. Uh, do you feel like with Shiraka coming back a second time, we might get to see a little bit less uh, Fleck uh, 
strangling <laughs> strangling the offense in its crib at times, or are we just going to have to put up with it? Fleck likes ball control. Fleck likes to slow things down, and Fleck is completely comfortable winning a game uh, 20-17 to 17 as long as he wins. I suspect that as long as P.J. Fleck remains the head ball coach at the University of Minnesota, you will see a lot of that style. And it's hard for me to really expect to see massive change. Otherwise, it would be great if it happened. It would be great to watch them win in the non-conference by like 40 points in a fun way as opposed to kind of a really boring way. At the end of the day, though, no one really cares if you win by 3 or you win by 10 or you win by 35 if you win every single one of your football games. I think P.J. Fleck has shown both at Western Michigan and, of course, at Minnesota for an extended period of time that he is more than happy to play a game with a limited number of possessions with a very long period of time between snaps, all of that. I will say the one thing I've gotten very used to in the P.J. Fleck era is if I have to start watching a game late and I'm fast-forwarding to catch up or if I miss a game uh, and need to watch it later, or if I just want to rewatch a game, I know exactly how many times to hit that little fast forward button uh, to get it to stop just before the snap, because they are a predictable 30 to 35 seconds of gap between the end of a play and the start of the next one. And it does make for hopping through uh, dead time and, and uh, commentator nonsense uh, a little nice, I'm not going to lie. That's my that's my thumbs up to you, PJ. If you're going to keep doing that, at least uh, keep the timing uh, you know regular so I can fast forward when necessary. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited that Kirk is back. Um, you know, Mike Sanford Jr. was not was not doing it. I, I do have I read so I've read several of the Iowa blogs this week have basically written post Michigan butt whooping. Uh, you know, Big Ten title game posts where recaps where they've essentially said, you know, either Kirk gets rid of Brian um, and is willing to change his offense. And incidentally, nobody thinks that's going to happen. None of, the, none of the writers do. But they're basically either that happens or this is what Iowa is. I mean, it's always been this way, and it feels like every three years they write the story, but then they have a team that's good enough defensively to actually do something, and the offense still stinks. I am slightly concerned that Fleck has to have the right offensive coordinator or the right quarterback, and if he doesn't have either, we're essentially Iowa, and I don't like that very much. Um and so my, my hope is that he is willing to adjust at least slightly uh, to make sure that the offensive game plan does not resemble Iowa's do-no-harm approach, which, you know, gets smoked anytime a team opens a big play. Um, you know, I just don't want that for Minnesota. I don't want to be Iowa fans uh, in 10 years. I don't want to be Iowa fans ever. So, PJ... Uh, you know, hear my prayers. Uh, do not let, let Kirk and whoever comes after Kirk at some point just get a little bit more out of that offense, man. You don't have to. You don't have to just completely lock it down eighty percent of the time. You can let it go. It will be interesting to see the long-term succession plan. I think you know, 
nobody obviously has talked to Kirk, so we don't know what the what the plan is or what PJ is in plan. But you know, there was a lot of uh, rumors basically saying, okay, well, Kirk's coming back to right the ship, and he's going to be here for two or three years before he you know either retires or decides to go back home out east or whatever. And then basically by that point, Simon will be ready to take over the job on a full time basis. Uh, you know, whether that's the truth, whether that's the plan, I I who know, I don't think anybody knows, but. Um, you know, it, it's something to look forward to it, you know, going forward is to see just how, how much, you know, we know Simon and, and, and Kirk well, work well together. They, they work well together the first go around. So, um, so hopefully, you know, they can get into a really good working relationship and, and Simon can continue to pick his brain. So if they do make this switch two, three years down the line, um, we won't feel like we're, we're losing anything if, if Simon becomes the full-time OC. I've just been checking the uh, Gopher score because it feels like you know it's probably time to talk basketball. They're not losing by as much as I expected them to lose by. If I'm if I'm honest with you, uh, for those who are listening, it is uh, we record the recorded this on uh, Wednesday evening. And there's currently nine minutes and forty five seconds left in the first half. Michigan State leads seventeen to ten over Minnesota. Uh, this is my segue to U Street. I mean, really, at this point, we have to call the the first seven games of the season a bit of an overachievement uh, by Ben Johnson and the Gophers to be still undefeated coming into the Michigan State game. Certainly, the win against Mississippi State down in Starkville constitutes an overachievement. Otherwise, maybe, but not really, in terms of it is an overachievement in the sense that I did not necessarily expect that this team would be 7-0, and uh, currently only down two points now to Michigan State in the first half. So that has been impressive and wonderful. There has been some discussion as to whether or not any expectations should be adjusted, should we raise hopes. No. And I'm going to put a <laughs> whole bunch of cold water on that for two reasons. One, never get your hopes up. What are you doing? But secondly, I don't think just because of the way the team has performed in the first seven games actually tells us very much, if at anything at all, about what the team is going to look like in the Big Ten. Minnesota has faced in their first seven games outside of Mississippi State uh, not a single team in the top 100 of the Kempon rankings early, but I think those are generally fine. Their best non-Mississippi State win is Western Kentucky, which frankly was a kind of ugly game otherwise there are aspects of this team that are really likable they uh seem to to play hard they definitely would get the scrappy title in a lot of ways they thus far have not beat themselves in any game obviously they haven't lost but i mean even within those games they're committing very few turnovers they're never contesting offensive rebounds they're almost always back in position watching Michigan State tonight Michigan State is a great example of a team and has been for a long time where Tom Izzo loves to immediately get the ball regardless if it's a rebound but if it's a made basket immediately into the offensive side of the court within you know three seconds because if the defense isn't back and set then you know it's a free land he's been doing that for his entire career and in this first half Michigan State, by the time they get the ball across half court, the Govers are fully set in their defense on basically every possession. And so for a team that talent-wise does not have the talent to be a top 
8 Big Ten team, realistically to be a top 10 Big Ten team, they're doing all of the things that one would hope to see in order to be competitive. Be uh, well-coached, play very hard, uh, work with each other. They've been getting some timely threes from Jameson Battle, of course, Peyton Willis. The nice thing of having a bunch of fifth- and sixth-year players is they do have experience, and what I think some of those players may lack in talent, they're making up for in physicality. Being a 24-year-old going against an 18-year-old does present a physical advantage, or so I've been told from Andy when I watch hockey. There's a similar thing happening for Minnesota this year. Do I think that being 7-0 means that we should be expecting them to get into a postseason? Absolutely not. Is it fun to watch them win games? Very much so. Is it fun to watch a team wearing the University of Minnesota colors make a three-point shot? It's amazing, Chris. (laughs) I've forgotten how fun it is to watch a three-point shot go in. And most of the time, even when the three-ball has not gone in, the shots generally look pretty good. The one negative that I will say through the first seven games from kind of what do you what does this team mean by from long term and I think it really is a talent question is that this team settles quite a bit for isolation shots and they settle quite a bit for Peyton Willis isos so they'll have whatever the first action is and if the first action isn't there sometimes we go through a second set or we go through a second if they're running in their kind of motion offense we'll go through two or three but really get about 15 seconds left in the shot clock 12 to 15 seconds left in the shot clock my apologies and it's just sort of like well let's give Peyton Willis the ball or let's give Jamison Battle the ball and we'll settle for a long three now those shots have been dropping more than I might have expected and in the Mississippi State game which they won 81-76 uh Peyton Willis makes an isolation shot of just that nature at the end of the game. It was great, but that is not a high percentage play if the person is not James Harden or Steph Curry. And very unfortunately for the University of Minnesota, they don't have a single player on this court who is even a C-level version of either one of those players. So enjoying it. I, as we led the top of the podcast, we both as fans would hope to be wrong in that By the end of today, I think we both expect that Michigan State will come out of the barn with a win, and the Gophers will no longer be an undefeated team. But I don't think anyone expected them to be in the last 12 undefeateds for the season. And so for that's concerned, that's a lot of fun. I also, last thing, I think Ben Johnson from the sidelines thus far has not played a game where he has seemed outmatched at all. Now, He's about to run into the schedule where he actually starts coaching against coaches who know what they're doing. But Ben Howland is no slouch of a, of a coach down at, down at Mississippi State. And so thus far, the early returns for Ben Johnson is suggesting that he has answered the challenge and been ready for the job that he was handed by Mark Coyle, which is fantastic. That's great. Offensive rebounding. Any any thoughts there? Do we do we do we expect that to improve at all? That's allowed. No, uh, I don't. I mean, it'll it'll improve in the sense that they will probably go from being second to last in the country to you know a little bit higher. But that is a very clear <laughs> intentional intentional desire by this team to not crash the boards. And frankly, given the talent on this team and the athleticism on this team, there is zero reason 
they should be fighting for offensive boards. They're undersized in the front court. So contesting offensive rebound, like Trevor Mbakwe and Rodney Williams are not walking through that door anytime soon. So they don't have that from just a, you've got great rebounders on this team. The second bit, though, because they are both undersized and less athletic, if they're crashing hard on the offensive boards, the opposing team is going to get a lot of three-on-twos or three-on-threes with speed. So not you know official numbers, but one team going downhill, one team trying to defend. That's a recipe for a lot of bad, crappy fouls, you know, a lot of reach-in stuff. It's a recipe for a lot of easy points for the other team. It's a recipe for a lot of shots close in the paint or kick threes. Minnesota cannot afford to give any of those shots up because it's already at a talent and a size and athleticism disadvantage for most teams. In fact, almost all teams that's going to play in the Big Ten this year. So I am totally on board going full Brad Stevens at Butler and saying we are just not going to care about offensive rebounds. Fair enough. That's a good point. It, it does help, though, when you're not one for nine in the first half from beyond the arc. That that sort of uh, that that would make things go a little bit more smoothly. Yeah, though is that is that, is that what we're shooting right now? Yes. Though, with that said, Minnesota's got a chance to still only be down a possession here late in the first half. I don't think from our sort of live commentary podcast here, I don't think that Michigan State is really covering itself in glory on the offensive side of the ball which is part of the reason this game is, has gotten a bit closer. However, again, Minnesota is not making things very easy for Michigan State. And ultimately, what I would like to see for the entirety of this year is that Minnesota is an annoying team to play. Because well, I mean, That's been, a, if, that's if been you, a hope of yours from the beginning, and, and it seems like what they've chosen to do structurally and stylistically would play into making you very happy in that regard. Yeah, I think you want to I think you want to instill as an identity and an ethic that it is annoying to play against you. I don't mean annoying like Wisconsin annoying in the sense that you're basically kind of a dirty team and also you've got a bunch of hateable players. I mean annoying in that you just don't beat yourself. So that part of the historic Wisconsin Bo Ryan identity. If you have that kind of as an ethic, the next phase of that, you know, phase one is establishing that, and then phase two is getting the talent such that you're an annoying team to play, and also you no longer have the size and athleticism disadvantage. Because I can see a world in which this same team, with a bunch of you know four-star talent, becomes really, really good. Now, that's, of course, throughout the year, but that's the foundation that I'd like to see Ben Johnson building. Just to go along real quick with the offensive rebounding part, we were talking about uh, our, our other blog leader, uh, Gopher Nation, is actually in Williams Arena tonight, and he reports that, uh, he said, it's crazy watching live. They literally barely even watch to see if offensive shots go on and immediately run back to play defense. So, yeah, you're not going to get too many offensive rebounds when four of the five guys are literally across half court by the time the shot hits the rim. I mean, when it comes to situations like that, I I, I at least always have respect, um, even if I, I mean, 
I've never been coached to do that, so it seems weird to me. I get why they're doing it, but in my playing days, like I was never coached to play that way, so it just seems odd. That said, I have a lot of respect for coaches and teams that make uh, make a strategic choice for good reasons and then commit to it. Um, and that seems to be what Minnesota's doing. And, uh, you know, let's see how it uh, can pay off, hopefully, uh, down the road. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing uh, for them to have a chance tonight is they've got to figure out the shooting, you know, just to go out as four minutes to go. Uh, 26-19 Michigan State leads like night. Uh, Gophers are currently 1 for 10 from 3, while Michigan State is 5 for 10. So, I mean, there's your difference right there if uh, if if – Michigan State cools down, and if the Gophers can warm up from three, I mean, this is basically a tie ball game. Also, the fact that they're only down seven when that's a big part of the stat lines. Uh, kudos to you, Gophers. The Sky U Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Homefield Apparel, the good brand. You've heard us talk before about how excited we were to get them as a sponsor, and we continue to be excited because as fall approaches, they have restocked their crew neck and hoodie sweatshirts. There's a Sweet Script uh, Minnesota sweatshirt out there right now waiting for you to pick one up. If you have not already shopped for the first time at Homefield Apparel, make sure to go to homefieldapparel.com and use code DAILYGOPHER at checkout for 15% off your order. It's not just uh, Minnesota gear. There are sweet stickers from all sorts of historic logos across NCAA. Uh, I have a Tulane Green Wave sticker that I've had my eye on that i got to go pick up. Uh, Whatever it is, make sure to get over to homefieldapparel.com. Find it for yourself. Feel good in it. Look good in it. And enjoy every moment with your new gear. That's homefieldapparel.com. Code DAILYGOPHER. All right, hockey. Uh, we're going to start with the women because uh, that was a hell of a weekend the women put on uh, down in Madison, coming away with five points, uh, a 3-2 win on Friday night, a 2-2 tie, but the shootout victory to grab that extra point on Saturday. Uh, Andy, what the hell got into the women? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, admittedly, um, you know, it, it – I'd love to get the credit to Minnesota. Uh, I did see several of the people I follow who who know the Wisconsin's women's team fairly intricately say that was by far the the Gophers' win on Friday night. Uh, Wisconsin played by far its worst two periods of the year to start. Um, so I mean, I'll take that timing. Works for works for us. Uh, yeah, I mean Taylor Heisey for Minnesota is on a tear right now. Um, you know, coming into the the Wisconsin weekend, she was third in the country behind two Badgers in scoring, um, and and she got a, a big goal on on Friday night and and is really uh, moving things forward. And then Saturday, uh, Grace Zemlunkel, who's the Gopher super senior, who's currently with the U.S. national team, uh, she always had a knack the last few years. Even if Minnesota was struggling against Wisconsin, she was pretty much the only Gopher who could score against the Badgers. Well, her sister Emily, who's a Gopher freshman this year, decided to to pick up that slack, and uh, she got what would end up being the, the game-tying goal, tying the game at two in regulation on Saturday, and then scored the, the shootout winner. So uh, nice to see the Zumwinkle family still coming through for the for the Gophers. But yeah, um, I mean, five points against Wisconsin is huge. Um, I mean, it, it 
somehow puts them right back in the uh, in the WCHA ring. I mean, it was it was pretty much a, a sure boat that the Gophers were going to be sitting in third place in the WCHA. Um, they haven't quite leapfrogged Wisconsin yet. In fact, looking at the standings now, they can't. Uh, Wisconsin is in second place in the conference, six behind Ohio State, who uh, the Buckeyes have two games have played two games more than and the Badgers, who have played two games more than the Gophers, who sit at 27 points, um, which sets up this weekend's huge series. Minnesota in third with 27, UMD in fourth with 21, and the Bulldogs come to Ritter to close out the 2021 portion of the schedule this weekend. Uh, UMD ranked number seven in the country. Minnesota, I believe, after that win, now is back up to number three. Um Friday night game, 7 o'clock, Saturday, three thirty game. Um, you know, it would be nice for the Gophers to try and get a nice home sweep over the Bulldogs uh, and really end 2021 on a high note before uh, regrouping in, in 2022. And, I mean, at this point, you're probably still looking at best case third place in the WCHA. I mean, Wisconsin is going to be Wisconsin. Ohio State's going to be Ohio State down the stretch. Um, but it would be kind of ridiculous if you get to the NCAA tournament and it's literally one, two, three, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Minnesota in some order uh, as, as we get to the national seeding, which, I mean, frankly, looking how we are right now, that, that definitely seems to be the case that it, it should be something like that. So. Well, and the men, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, but now they've played two good teams in a row. North, North, excuse me, North Dakota uh, a little over a week ago and Michigan this past weekend at Yoast. Uh, and they've decided to go with Friday night good, Saturday bad. Um, any particular <laughs> reasons you see, or is this just what we're in for up no, and down. No, I, I, I wish I wish I had a I wish I had a good reason, but yeah, I mean the Gophers have split their last five series, and like you said, for the first three with them, they played like absolute hot garbage on Friday and came back strong to to earn the split on Saturday with wins, and then starting with the North Dakota series, and then again against Michigan this weekend, they came out just on fire Friday night, uh, scoring goals. Defense was great. Uh, you know they they won five one uh, at North Dakota and they won five uh, one Friday in Ann Arbor against Michigan and it was like holy crap what what this is the team we like I mean if if the Gophers play like they do on Friday against North Dakota and Michigan they are a legitimate national championship contender there is no doubt unfortunately the Saturday games both in Grand Forks and Ann Arbor they looked like they didn't even deserve to make the national tournament um, I mean it was. Minnesota scored the first goal right away on Saturday, and then they had one. Uh, they almost went up two nothing, and that would have been huge. Uh, Matthew Nyes had a had a great look at the power play about midway through the first period and just missed the uh, missed the open net, and then all of a sudden Michigan took over and scored five goals in a row. Um, you know. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't think anybody understands it, why this team can look so good one night and look so awful the next. Um, but it's something they're going to have to figure out because, you know, when you get to the NCAA tournament, you got to play two games in a weekend. And so uh, either you're losing the first round or you're losing if you, uh, you're you not getting your chance to go to the Frozen Four if you play like that in the second game of the weekend. So, um you know, they they are now done with 2021. They come back and play the U.S. under-18 team uh, right after the new year and then and start Big Ten play uh, in Michigan State, who they've yet to see this year um, right after that. So they've got, you know, a good another three weeks here to try and figure out what the heck's going on, get everybody healthy, um, and try and, you know, get a jump start. Uh, 
you know they're they're sitting second place in the Big Ten right now uh, behind Michigan. Uh, that second series against the Wolverines will be in in uh, mid January. Arguably, that series will potentially have a chance to determine who's going to, uh, to win the Big Ten's regular season. So, um, but as we've seen, you you can't slip up against the teams you you feel like you're better than the rest of the way either. So, uh, hopefully holiday break we'll get these guys refocused and they can actually put two games together in a weekend rather than just one hey there's always the chance that uh you know you make the NCAA tournament and the fact that there's a break in between those two games a day off could you know turn it around for you I don't really think that's how it works but you know it's you got you got hopes hopes and dreams all right, tell me about the volleyball team headed to Madison, Andy. What uh, what, what what do the Gophers have to look forward to um, other than, uh, you know, likely if they win their first game, a tough test against uh, the, the home the home, uh, the home hosts? Yeah, you know, it, it's not going to be an easy road. Um, the Gophers did what they needed to do at home uh, last weekend when they hosted the first and second rounds. Uh, they beat South Dakota in the opener and then swept Stanford, which honestly was a little surprising. I thought they were going to be uh, a little tougher matchup against the Cardinal, but uh, swept them 3-0 to advance to the Sweet 16, for, uh, except for 2014 where they did not make the NCAA tournament. Every single year since 2008 that they've been in the NCAA tournament, they've made at least a Sweet 16. So... Um, that's that's pretty impressive as a program, but yeah, uh, they get a rematch. They uh, Gophers are the number twelve seed. They play number five Baylor at two o'clock Thursday afternoon. Uh, Baylor beat Minnesota three one in the season opening match in Madison. In fact, at the Big Twelve Big Ten Showcase. Um, uh, Ayanna Presley for Baylor is one of the best players in the country, and, and Minnesota really didn't have an answer for her um, in the opening game of the season. And so hopefully they uh, they've tweaked some things and get them some things figured out to be able to uh, to deal with her a little bit better on Thursday. Uh, the big question for Minnesota, uh, which you know they've been really secretive about, we don't ex- exactly know what the problem is or what's going on. Uh, libero CC McGraw, who arguably, other than Stephanie Samity, is the, is the second most valuable player on this team. Uh, she did not play in either the first two games in Minneapolis last weekend. Uh, she was held out for what was quoted as medical reasons. Um, but nobody has given any further update on what medical reasons be. Was it? Is it COVID? Was it the flu? Is it an injury? Uh, nobody is nobody is saying anything right now. So uh, the question will be is, did she make the trip to Madison with the rest of the team, and will she be on the court for the Gophers against Baylor tomorrow? Uh, if she's not, I think it's going to be really hard for Minnesota to beat Baylor. Um, Baylor is a really, really, really good team. Um, they've got just such athletic uh people at the net um, that they're going to need McGraw all over the floor digging out all these spikes. Um, if she's not there, Rachel Kilkelly stepped into the libero role, role last weekend and played really good, but you'd love to have both of them uh, on the floor at the same time. Uh, Kilkelly moving back to her defensive specialist role uh, rather than libero. But, um, you know, that will that will be, I think, the determiner. If they have McGraw, I think Minnesota will give Baylor a good game. Uh, if they don't have McGraw, I would expect probably a 3-0 or 3-1 win for Baylor. Um, you know, if Minnesota can get by Baylor, uh, they most likely will get uh, the third matchup of the year against the Badgers. Uh, Minnesota got swept 3-0 in Madison by them earlier in the year and then lost 3-2 in Minneapolis. 
Uh, Wisconsin is really, really good. Uh, they, you know, fortunately for Minnesota fans, they've made the Final Four the last couple of years, but then have, have choked in the national semifinals. Um, you know, I think they're going to be a really tough out at home the next two two week or next two games. So I I fully expect that Wisconsin will probably make the uh, the Final Four again, and and hopefully um, they can get knocked out by by one of the other top teams in Columbus. Well, I think that's a, a pretty good segue, actually. We're going to do predictions, prediction time. Uh, we're going to do it volleyball edition, Sweet 16 edition. Uh, Street, you know, I think uh, you're quite possibly the greatest volleyball mind in uh, the entire lower 48, if I had to, to put a, a geographic spacing on it. What do you think happens uh, in terms of how far the Gophers go in uh, this weekend? I think that Andy has to write at least one more article beyond this weekend. So you feel that they're actually going to, they're going to make it to the final four. Yeah. I think that there's enough intrigue with CC McGraw. And that's always good from a storyline perspective. Feels like a third act on your left kind of situation. You know, T'Challa, Falcon, CC McGraw coming through. So I think I think that's positive. Uh, Stephanie Samity is a very good very good volleyball player. I I I know who that is. I think she'll do well. And uh, I'm never going to predict that Minnesota ever loses to the Badgers. So consequently, final four here we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Andy, your prediction? You kind of uh, already gave it, but yeah, I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll I'll get out of that. Never picking against the Badgers, even though I did against the X game. We'll forget that ever happened. Um, unfortunately, I have a gut feeling that 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 McGraw has got something going on that will keep her out of this weekend. Again, everybody's been hush hush. Um, you know the the she was she was public about it on on Instagram early in the year. Uh, she missed the end of the season and the and the NCAA tournament uh, last spring. Um, dealing with some both some injury physical injuries and some mental issues uh we really hope that that's not what she's she's dealing with right now and can come back strong and and you know can she we we hope that those demons aren't creeping back up again and and you know i'd, I'd much rather say it's weird to say this but i'd much rather she has covid and can't play than dealing with something like that but um I just have a gut feeling the fact that we haven't heard anything that she's probably not going to be available this weekend. And if that's the case, uh, I'll, I'll guess that Baylor ends Minnesota's season on Thursday. Um, I'd love to see him keep going, but this team for the last three or four years uh, has struggled when we get to the Sweet 16. Uh, they just sort of hit a wall. And uh, I think this Baylor team is just too athletic, especially without uh, our, our star defender in there. So uh, I'm going to say Baylor beats the Gophers 3-1 on Thursday and uh, ends the Minnesota season. I would love to take uh, Streets' optimism. I'm going to go a little more optimistic than Andy. I'm going to they're going to they're going to get past Baylor. We'll call it in four sets. Um, but uh, I think Wisconsin ends Minnesota season probably three three one. Um, 
and I would love that to be otherwise. The Final Four and the National Championship are being held in Columbus, Ohio, so those would have been reachable for me. Uh, but I don't think the Gophers quite get there. So we shall see uh, this weekend. Uh, before we sign off, I, I'm looking over at the basketball game, and it has moved itself into being much more the score I would have expected given how the shooting was going for the Gophers. It is now 37-24 Michigan State at halftime. Unless they heat up, I would expect more of the same in the second half, which gives me no pleasure because an undefeated team is an undefeated team, and an undefeated team with a win over number 19 Michigan State would be something to uh, be a little more excited about. I mean, I still think, you know, streets laid out all the reasons why even a win tonight would not have led me to believe we were looking at a tournament team, uh, but uh, hey, make a comeback. You know, pull pull a Wisconsin over uh, Indiana. Also, fuck you, Indiana. Um, but it, find out more about that, of course, by reading the blog, uh, and we will have a recruitmas podcast uh full recruiting recap coming next week here on the sky you podcast in the meantime go gophers sky you ma row the boat <laughs>